Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Culture on the Rocks. I'm Callan. I've got Anna here, and today we're doing something a little different. We decided, well, actually, you decided because we did a poll on our Instagram, which if you're not following us yet, I will definitely plug the handles, don't worry. But we did a poll because we're recording this episode a little bit early, so we wanted to see kind of what y'all wanted to hear. So we asked if you wanted us to discuss podcasts or movies. The response was movies. So we kind of talked back and forth about what we wanted to do since obviously that's a broad category and we just decided that naturally for our first podcast about movies we should just talk about some of our favorite movies of all time. Absolutely. So we will be getting into that but before we do of course we've got to talk about some of our favorite things like what we're currently watching. So Anna what are you watching? Well, Callan, I just finished watching Rocket Man. Ooh. Have you seen it? No, it looked really good. Yeah, so it's the movie about Elton John and his life, which was super interesting. I knew that I wanted to see the movie because I do like Elton John's music and... I knew he had just a really interesting life, but I had no clue like what to expect with the movie. And it's kind of, it has a very interesting way of explaining his childhood all the way up to kind of present day. Like you don't really see what he's doing now, but it was kind of like his really dark days that he had and how he came out of that. But they tell it through song, like through his music. So there are like musical numbers and like it's a musical to where like something will be happening in like quote unquote like real life, like what's happening with him. And then there'll be like a musical number with like a dancing and like choreography and everything. So I wasn't expecting that, but I really liked it. Like it was great. Like the dancing was great and the music was great. So I highly recommend it. It's very interesting. And I learned a lot. If I'm not mistaken, Taron Edgerton, I think that's how you say it, he won the Golden Globe for playing Elton John. I thought it had been nominated for several awards, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I could see why. I mean, he did a great job. I've liked him in everything I've seen him in, and I distinctly remember that he won because, you know, how at the Golden Globes, they all sit, like, at tables together, and Elton John, of course, was at the table, and when Taryn won, no one was more excited than Elton John. Oh, <laughs> He was sweet. jumping up and down and clapping, which was fun to see because it's nice to know that you know, the person you played approves of you. That was my thought. I Like I said, I didn't really know a lot about it, but I had heard that he was happy with the movie. I don't know if he was like, had any say in any of the production or anything. I don't, I didn't look that far into it, but I always like whenever the person the movie is about actually likes the movie and feels like it portrays their life, you know, the way that they wanted it to be seen. Well, 
surprising to no one, I have been continuing to watch Love Island. Last time I mentioned it, I didn't really mention the like setup of it. I guess I just assumed everyone knows. I don't know why that is because it's only the second season. But if you don't know, Love Island is originally a British reality dating show. Basically, if you've watched like Bachelor in Paradise, it's the same setup where you get guys and girls and they couple up and every week new guys or new girls come in and then they have their own like ceremony where they pair up and if you're not in a couple then you go home so you know it's it's not intellectually stimulating television (laughs) (laughs) but I don't really care I'm not looking for that when I watch Love Island I know what I'm getting and it's just something to kind of decompress from the day yes absolutely So, what are you sipping on tonight? Well, I'm branching out and trying something a little different. All right. Um, It's a local, local as in we're from Mississippi. So, uh, it's a Lazy Magnolia Southern Gold Golden Honey Ale. Um, If you know me, I'm not a huge beer drinker but i want to support local and it sounded really interesting like anything with honey in it it's probably going to be pretty good so i'm enjoying it so far it's not very i guess like super beery okay (laughs) that's the right word i feel like ales usually uh sit better with me than like something darker so yeah lazy magnolia mississippi oldest brewery so look them up their hashtag is do something lazy and that's what we're doing (laughs) i'm here for it that sounds good what about you shelby if you're listening this one is for you this is making up for the lima rita that i poured (laughs) half of the thing out um so i'm having a homemade margarita and i will tell you exactly what you need to get to have a good one the best recipe is and this is from my vast experience, obviously. If you're going to do one on the rocks, I love frozen margaritas, but the um, frozen like limeade and stuff is actually hard to find right now. I don't know if it has to do with the shortage of every grocery item <laughs> that we are having. <laughs> But right. it's really hard to find um, at the grocery stores right now. So we've had to go to On the Rocks, which is still good. Get you some ice, some lime. I love a salted rim, but you can forego if you choose. <laughs> Sounded like <laughs> the fantasy suite on The Bachelor. You take some Jose Cuervo um, tequila, the gold. And then you also use the Jose Cuervo margarita mix. Now here is where... You got to pay attention. So you can get the regular that doesn't have any alcohol that comes in it. And that's still pretty good. But you've got to like add a fair amount of tequila. Or get the one. I think it tastes better. It's the margarita mix that already has tequila in it. But also Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier is the secret ingredient to a good margarita. If you don't know what it is, it is an orange liqueur. It just cuts the sweetness a little bit and does something with the flavor. And also, Grand Marnier is very strong alcohol content. It's similar to like a cognac, so it's going to amp up your 
experience <laughs> if you catch my drift so we use that mix and then we also still add a little tequila because mm, you still need to cut it a little bit with even more tequila so um and then you add like a fresh lime if you have it um and there you go i right now am about two homemade margaritas deep so <laughs> um i just wanted to get that disclaimer before the rest of the episode it's gonna be great yeah it's that's really been my drink of quarantine i'll say are you going to be posting this recipe somewhere i will i actually you know for a moment i pretended on my own personal instagram that i was like a cocktail influencer so i posted a picture of it on my story that was like in portrait mode so i'll just reuse that photo and share the recipe for everybody if you um don't want to miss out on any of these recipes or these stories be sure to follow us on instagram at pop culture on the rocks podcast also follow us on twitter at pop culture otr send us an email at pop culture otr podcast at gmail.com And of course, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and let us know where you're listening from. Moving on, Anna, it is your Mm -hmm. turn to give us a reason why you and I should be on The Amazing Race. Well, I have quite the long list, so for as long as we do this podcast, there will always be reasons until we're on the show. Well, we had breaking news on our pop culture Twitter account this week. Uh, As you know, we had our episode on Tough as Nails, which, if you didn't remember, is Phil Kogan's new show. Uh, Phil is the host of The Amazing Race and now is the host of Tough as Nails. Highly recommend both shows. And I talked about Tough as Nails and we tweeted it out, letting people know how great it was. And, well, just so happens that Mr. Phil Kogan happened to like, as in love, if you know Twitter, he liked our tweet. So that's always sends a little flutter in your heart. This is, as Callan has said a couple weeks ago, this is the second time that he's liked something of ours. The first time was on his personal account. This time, it's on ours. That's a pretty big deal. So Phil has liked it. And then a contestant who was on Tough as Nails, Linda, if you happen to remember, the she's the deputy sheriff, which from what I remember, she's not a deputy sheriff anymore. I think she's in roofing now. Just a little fun fact there. But she also liked the tweet. So I'm just saying I'm no casting like guru or anything, but... Phil has already said that he likes us twice on social media. And then someone, Linda, likes us as well. So I feel like that's just a microcosm, whatever the word is, of America saying we like Callan and Anna. And I think that would translate well to The Amazing Race. You already have two fans of us one of whom is the host. I don't know. Right. I don't know what other endorsement you need. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully our friendship will will move from liking to maybe commenting. We'll see. <laughs> We're moving slow, but that's okay. <laughs> slow and steady. It wins the race. Hey, you're exactly right. Well, tonight we are doing an episode that I am so excited about because I didn't even really have to prepare for this, to be honest, because I just know (laughs) 
these movies like the back of my hand. They're not just pages and pages of notes like we have on Big Brother every week. Okay, so Callan, when someone you meet asks you, Callan, what is your all-time favorite movie? What do you say? Well, first of all, I start out with a sigh because that's a hard question. (laughs) But my go-to is always honestly going to be the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice. Yes, (laughs) that is correct. (laughs) Um, And something, you know, we may need to explain to the listeners who do not know us personally yet, Callan and I have very similar tastes when it comes to a lot of things in life, I would say. Mm -hmm. Especially movies. Our top two favorite movies are the same, which don't worry, we will talk about both. But... We are both Austinites, Jane Austen, big fans, lover. When someone says, you know, one of those like party questions, like someone living or dead that you'd want to like have dinner with, Jane Austen is one of those people for me personally. If you don't know, Pride and Prejudice was originally written by Jane Austen in the 1800s, and it's about mainly Elizabeth Bennet. She has four sisters, and their mom is trying to marry all of them off. That's basically her goal in life. They're not necessarily poor, but they're kind of, you know, middle class for that era, just kind of average, I would say. You know, it's that time where if they don't marry someone specific, then they don't get an inheritance. And so there's just a lot of pressure for being married and married to, the you know, someone who has money and means and all that. Income, Mr. Darcy and Mr. Bingley. And it's just a whole book of, I mean, what it's called, pride and prejudice on both sides. And that's what I love, that it's not just the wealthy people that are prideful. It's also the lower class people, if you will, and the prejudices they both have against each other, what they assume about each other. And then, of course, there is romance involved. But I would not say that that is the main element of the story I think there's a lot of society stuff in there too so I think it can be in you know interesting for everyone okay so did you read the book before you saw the movie actually I eh, no the answer is no (laughs) um yeah and usually I am a proponent of watching a movie after you've read the book because in general the book obviously has more detail it's like the original story how it's meant to be told So I'm like pro reading the book before, but at one point, I want to say like in middle or high school, Pride and Prejudice was on TV and something made me click on it. I don't know what, I think it was just meant to be. It was actually like halfway over. What I saw, I really liked and it was the 2005 version that I saw, but it was that movie that made me want to read the book. And then I I read the book, of course, and loved it. And then it sparked my love of Jane Austen. And now, you know, I own the DVD and all that jazz. Have watched all of the special features and the extras and everything. Yes. A hundred percent. Same here. The commentary, all that jazz. Yeah. So I'm the same way. I did not see the movie in theaters. I believe I had read the book before I saw the movie, but I feel like, I don't know if I rented the movie like at Blockbuster or if it was on TV, like you're saying. I really don't remember, but fell in love with it immediately. I've always really liked Keira Knightley. 
She's a fantastic actress. Love her. And I just love period dramas in general. Mm -hmm. So I was already hooked, hook, line, and sinker. Pretty much everything about that movie, I think, is perfection. I know you will agree with me on a lot of this stuff. The soundtrack to that movie is absolutely beautiful. I highly recommend it. Every night, I put on classical music for my dogs (laughs) to go to sleep to. (laughs) And one of the albums I go to sleep to is Pride and Prejudice. So I'm educating the next generation of dogs and making a difference. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because a few times now I have um, been either putting my niece like to bed or to like a nap, down for a nap, Mm -hmm. and I have also played the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack to put her to sleep. And, you know, at first she asked me for Let It Go from the Frozen soundtrack, (laughs) so we listened to that, and I said, okay, but then we're going to play the piano music, okay? (laughs) And then I put on the Pride and Prejudice. I'll say we got to where she asked for the piano. So we are... Wow. We're making a difference. (laughs) I love it. Making a fan. It's a beautiful soundtrack, though. Like, it just adds so much to the movie. And I'm saying it here first that I'm 99% sure I will be walking down the aisle to one of the songs from the album. Absolutely beautiful. Can totally see it and it'll be a beautiful time. I will add that this is one of the movies that, like you said, made me interested in period pieces in general. Like it doesn't have to be from the 1800s like Pride and Prejudice is set in, but it really made me interested in just different eras. And also the cinematography in this one is incredible. And I think it was the first time I ever really noticed certain shots and you know how they filmed them and um yeah how it added to the story and was just like beautiful to watch not even you know outside of the story it was just a pretty film to see I absolutely agree um it's a beautiful movie obviously the story is amazing which I mean the movie I guess can't really take credit for that (laughs) for the initial uh plot Mm -hmm. but they did a great job of adapting it to the screen and I loved all of the cast I feel everyone did an amazing job Mr. Collins for the win absolutely something that I love about just Jane Austen in general is she's not afraid to talk about like the societal issues going on and I mean hello we still have those issues today and I don't know that that book and the movie just as a great job of emphasizing all of the underlying like issues that the class system has and gender roles have and just the idea that if a woman's not married then somehow she has an issue or something and I love the movie but I love even more so the the message that it sends. I definitely appreciate that too not only the way she's so honest in her writing, but she does it with a sense of humor. It's funny the way she describes people that are like kind of annoying. It's like still people you would know now, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. You kind of have a picture in your head. (laughs) Yeah. The problems may be a little different, but the people are the same. And she just had such a good grasp on people. And I think that's what makes her writing so good is that it surpasses time because these are still people that are relatable to us. That's so true. 
which I guess we're kind of promoting the book here because the book is fantastic and highly recommended. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we can do a podcast about the Pride and Prejudice movie without talking about (laughs) the BBC miniseries. Um, What is your opinion about the two Darcys from those, uh, from the movie and then from the series? This is a hot debate between Pride and Prejudice fans. It really is. I'm just going to give the disclaimer that no matter what side you're on of this debate, I'm not mad at you. I don't think either are bad choices, so let's just all agree to disagree on who our favorite is. That's fine. Some people like the 90s version better overall, not even just in Who Plays Mr. Darcy. In a way, it's a little hard to compare a six-episode miniseries to a movie. Obviously, you're going to get a lot more elements from the book in six hours than you do in two. Yeah. With that being said, Matthew McFadden is always going to have my heart. And maybe it's kind of like Doctor Who in the sense, like, whichever Doctor is your first is your favorite. Matthew True. McFadden yeah. was my first, and he's my favorite, Mr. Darcy. So, with that being said, I loved Colin Firth in the 90s series. And, I mean, that series gave us the lake scene with him coming out of there in mm. his white shirt. Mm-hmm. I think everybody liked that. <laughs> iconic iconic so i just think there are great moments from both but matthew is my fave and i just loved his chemistry with kira yeah i personally agree with you i'm the same way to where i think they both did an amazing job and both the movie and the series did a great job of adapting jane austen's books so i can't knock either one i own both of them and they're both great But I'm the same way, you know, I think Matthew just crushes it. But Colin's great too. And I mean, I don't think it's bad to have two Darcy's, you know, it's not a big deal. If you haven't believed by now that Anna and I are huge fans of the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice, you should believe it now because back in 2016 when I was studying abroad and Anna was there visiting me in Ireland, we made a specific trip over to England only to go to Chatsworth House where they filmed Pride and Prejudice. It's the setting of Pemberley. It is the estate they use the outside and the inside of the estate. This is Mr. Darcy's home. I'm not kidding when I say when our taxi came around the curve and we saw <laughs> the building, we shed tears. It is beautiful. And yep. you know, whether you're interested in Prime Prejudice or not, this is a beautiful estate. Definitely. This was a shining moment in our friendship because we flew all the way over there to go to this house and it was worth every bit of it oh absolutely i mean we stayed there the whole day and it was magical walking around the estate and pretending that we were elizabeth bennett the the lady of the house it was fantastic so yeah i mean i don't know how much bigger of a fan you can really be So we even shed a tear over that place, but it was absolutely incredible. And yeah, definitely recommend visiting one day whenever that's possible. Or if you're already in Britain, I think that they reopened. So highly recommend it. Okay, so we've talked about a period piece, a drama, a romance, 
It has a lot of wit in it and just a fantastic novel, completely changing, like not even a 180. We're like on the other side of the world here. Okay, our next favorite movie, which if someone asked me what my favorite movie was, I would either say Pride and Prejudice or I would say The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. I think personally that is the best superhero movie ever made. Hot take probably, but that's fine. And just not even a superhero movie. I think it's an excellent movie. I love that it's the second movie in Christopher Nolan's trilogy for Batman. It's a timeless classic. And to me, I know it's DC. And I know where we are right now in the superhero kind of world. Marvel is seems to be kind of the the juggernaut, no pun intended, of kind of the the comic movies right now, which is totally fine. I think it's totally fine to like both DC and Marvel because I do like both. For me personally, The Dark Knight is a fantastic movie because I'll say this, whenever I think of superheroes especially back whenever The Dark Knight came out. I always thought of Batman and Superman. Those are like the only two, like the probably the first two super superheroes I've ever seen and just like the ones that I feel like are most iconic. Obviously that's changed now because there are a lot of superheroes out there and that's like our generation's version of like a Wild West movie. <laughs> I feel like they're just so many, but I love it. And so to me, The Dark Knight, It's just so different from every other superhero movie because it's not gimmicky to where it's just a bunch of dudes running around in tights making jokes and like clumsily beating up the bad guy and you know what I mean? Like it has real substance and it's dark, like it has layers. That's what I loved about it because not every superhero movie has to be everything's gonna go great and everything works out for the superhero. They never experience any pain. And we all leave the theater just like, ooh, we're so happy. So for me personally, it's a great movie. For me, it redefined what a superhero movie could be. I totally agree. So this movie came out when I was 13, and I saw it in theaters with my brother. And I'm like you. I knew about, you know, superheroes and comics just from growing up, especially with him. And Superman and Batman, I just feel like are iconic. So I'd seen Batman Begins and it was really good. But The Dark Knight, I feel like changed the game. It's just everything that I want and need in a DC superhero movie. And I'm like you, I don't I don't think we have to pick DC or Marvel. It's different moods. It's a different style. The heroes are totally different. So you can like it all. When I think of The Dark Knight, of course, I think about Heath Ledger because he was already one of my favorite actors. And this solidified it, especially with this being his last full movie. Mm -hmm. It's even more meaningful. I just think he gave his all in the role of the Joker and that is the standout part of it to me but the entire film is so well done and I think stands the test of time which is impressive especially with movies that rely on a lot of effects 
and cool things, mm-hmm. you know, that might be trendy yeah. at that time. I think it stands the test of time. It's always going to be my favorite superhero movie. I totally agree. Like, it's really... <laughs> I really don't see another superhero movie surpassing it for me. And the crazy thing is, I'm not just a crazy, like, Christian Bale Batman fan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, to me, The Dark Knight, yes, it's about Batman, like, it is his movie. But, man, the Joker just, like, Heath Ledger kills it. And to me, that movie is more a Joker movie, in a sense. Like, it focuses a lot on him. And, like Alfred says, some men just want to see the world burn. Like, you can't explain why they do what they do. And so you kind of have the Joker's sense of no justice, no real like reason for anything. It's all chaotic. And then you have Harvey Dent on the other side who literally (laughs) was the flip of a coin in that movie to where he was a local politician, was seen as being like the great white knight of Gotham, the city that they live in. And then a tragedy occurs and he just snaps and literally flips a coin and again he he kind of verges on chaos in that he thinks everything's up to chance so he's gonna flip a coin which will determine whatever outcome happens in his life so it's to me it's it's just more impressive harvey dent's story two-faces story and the joker story more so to me than batman's story Mm mm-hmm What do you think? Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely a Joker story. I don't want to downplay Aaron Eckhart's performance at all because I think he was incredible as Harvey Dent. And you do still get Batman and his story in this and Bruce Wayne's story. Mm -hmm. But it's incredible to me how well all three stories are balanced because it's hard to tell one person's story in a movie. Right. And to tell three character stories to where we feel like we are understanding each of their perspectives and who they are, that's very impressive. Mm -hmm. I think Christopher Nolan is awesome. I just, I love his stuff because it messes with my mind and (laughs) makes me think and I also love that he reuses a lot of actors and they're all people I like so (laughs) yeah I I agree with you Christopher Nolan's one of my favorite directors now that movie I think was probably the first one where I was like wow this is like genius I still remember so I saw that movie in theaters as well and I remember driving home after seeing that movie and being like like my mind was still like turning just thinking about all the things that I just saw and I don't know why yeah it was just like an amazing movie going experience which I feel like I don't have super often and that was one of them where I'm just walking away like Man, that was a lot to pro- to process, but in a great way. Yeah, I agree that it's one of those that you don't get super often where you just walk away thinking about it on the way home later in the week. Like, your mind just keeps coming back to it. And it's a superhero movie. Like, that's what's crazy about it. It's not like, I don't know, one of these, like, super artsy films that are, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. I love that, too. But it's just, like, I don't think anyone stepped into that theater thinking they were going to walk away having those kinds of like emotions and thinking through everything that just happened. I mean, if you wrote down the plot on paper, it would be like, 
Okay, that sounds silly, as do most superhero things, if you were to just take it out of context. But it's anything but that. It's dark, it's serious, it, the humor is dark. I mean, want to see a magic trick? The scene between the Joker and Batman towards the end in the investigation room it's so mm -hmm. it's like you're in the room so well done and it's also so well acted that you just feel like this is real life and that is hard to do when you're creating a movie especially when it's something as outlandish as this is a city named Gotham and a, a guy in a bat suit <laughs> runs around saving us you know but yet right. I'm like oh my gosh this is all real <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. It adds real life elements into it. And that's what I love personally about Batman and just his whole kind of universe is Batman has no superpowers. And in that movie specifically, it's kind of like, okay, like in some far off universe, this could happen. <laughs> There's some mass vigilante running around, billionaire trying to beat up these um, people who just want to terrorize our city. Yeah, I think it's plausible, you know. I don't, it's 2020, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so good. So good. I've got to rewatch it now. I know, me too. I need to rewatch all of these because it'll just be amazing once again. All right, well, there's no way to really transition um, <laughs> because if you can't tell, we just love every genre, honestly, and we're taking you on a ride. This is one of my favorite movies. Um, I know Anna likes it, but this one is like part of me, and if you know me, you know it's true. And this is, again, completely different than the other two that we've discussed so far, but, right, you know, sticking with the Dark Knight theme of fantastical and unrealistic stories maybe i'm transitioning you into a cinderella story <laughs> <laughs> and i need you to not get this confused with another cinderella story or a cinderella story three whatever the heck that was with lucy hale i'm not talking about those i'm talking about the og from 2004 with the love of my life hillary duff um <laughs> and also a 2000s icon and heartthrob chad michael murray so good right and and <laughs> let's not forget the hilarity that is jennifer coolidge as the stepmother mm -hmm. she's incredible if you've seen legally blonde she was in that as well but she's so funny basically this is another movie now that i think about it that kind of fell into my lap through fate i think <laughs> because <laughs> my mom gave me this dvd when it came out obviously many years ago for christmas one year because she just assumed i had seen it because it had hillary duff in it and i had actually not <laughs> i'd actually not seen it but it's such a gift that I have the DVD because now I've seen it I don't even know how many times it's I'm not really good with movie quotes but this and like one other movie The Princess Diaries <laughs> it's the only movie I can like watch and also say the lines along with them you know yeah mm-hmm I think it's still really good. You can judge me if you want, but this one, I think everybody has a movie that's kind of their nostalgia movie, and this is it for me. Oh, absolutely. If you, for some reason, haven't seen a Cinderella story, 
Um, it's what it sounds like. It's the plot of Cinderella where you have a girl that has um, her father dies at the beginning of the movie and she's left with an evil stepmother and two evil stepsisters. Of course, this is set in the modern day of 2004 in the San Fernando Valley in California. She works at a diner. Regina King is also in this movie. It's star-studded, everybody. A sign of the times is that her relationship with Chad Michael Murray, who is the most popular guy at school, is via instant messenger and text. <laughs> they only know each other by their usernames, so neither one of them knows who they're talking to. They just know it's someone else at their high school. Anyway, it takes them way too long to realize who it is. Um, <laughs> they have the whole Cinderella moment where she's wearing a mask. You know, whenever that's involved, I don't really understand how someone doesn't recognize that that is the same person. Going back to even the Batman situation, I'm like, okay, don't you, like, recognize their face? I don't get it. But c considering the, the world that we're in right now, have you walked around the store seeing someone in their facial mask? or face covering and have you not been able to identify who it is have you had that moment I haven't had that moment yet but I did put on my mask and some reflective sunglasses and I asked my coworker if he thought mm. he would recognize me at the store and he said he thought it would take him a minute so I guess I can relate <laughs> <laughs> but I will agree her her mask was um what basically covering like the outside of her eyes and like the top of her nose so <laughs> exactly the best part of the movie to me is how sam aka hillary duff finds herself and it's yeah it's a Cinderella story, so it's a love story, but it's more about her and standing up to her stepmother and being independent. And the quote that her dad had hung up in their diner is still my favorite quote of all time. And it's never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. And I think it just resonated with me from a young age, not only because I played softball, but because <laughs> I was a shy kid and this quote inspired her. And I guess in a way it inspired me because being afraid of failing or it not working out exactly how you expect it to or anything like that, that's not worth not even enjoying the ride or having fun or going for it anyway. Like it doesn't really matter what the outcome is. Just go for stuff in life and do what you want to do and give it your best shot you know, playing the game is worth it. And if you strike out, you strike out. You'll bat again, you know. <sighs> it's just inspirational, okay? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I do love that movie. It is It is a great, a great one for sure. Classic 2000s rom-com. It's great. And um, if you're a Chad Michael Murray fan, then you get more of his iconic facial expressions that he does in every movie. <laughs> um, True. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on the soundtrack. You've got, of course, some Hilary Duff music on there. You've got mm -hmm. um, a song sung by Cara Diaguardi, who was a judge on a season of American Idol. 
Mm. And then you've got Edwin McCain singing I'll Be, which I think is a classic. Oh, classic. That is a beautiful scene of them dancing. Yep, that's that's always going to be a favorite of mine. Well, Callan just told you about one of her favorite, I guess, rom-coms, favorite movies growing up, and kind of in the same vein of Cinderella. <laughs> Um, we are going to my favorite, one of my all-time favorite movies, definitely my favorite princess movie, although there are some great ones, I will say. Um, my favorite Disney movie, all that jazz. We're talking about Rapunzel, aka her movie Tangled. Yes. Love it. It is fantastic. I saw it in theaters and fell in love. Whenever they like announced that they were doing a Rapunzel themed movie, I was like, I'm gonna love that because I have long hair. Well, they've kind of cut it recently, but I pretty much always have had long hair and people have compared me to Rapunzel in that way. I'm not gonna go into the actual story from the fairy tale. I ain't down for that. <laughs> It's too depressing (laughs) and just like way too dark for anyone, especially children and especially as a bedtime story, like goodness. Okay, we're not going into that. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, this movie was Disney-fied and had a great plot. Um, Still kind of dark. Hello, kidnapping. (laughs) (laughs) The plot of Tangled is Rapunzel is from a royal family and while her mother is pregnant with her, she becomes ill and they're not really sure what's happening and why she's sick and they hear that there's this very rare flower which would heal whatever ailment that she has. Well, mm, a little um, bad luck here because one of the evil witches... She uses the flower to make herself young again. And she comes to find that the royal guards have taken this flower to be used for the queen to heal her. So the queen is healed. She has a a safe birth. Rapunzel is born. Oh my gosh, she's the cutest baby you've ever seen in your freaking life. The witch, whose name is Mother Gothel, who, oh my gosh, she is scary as anything. I'll just say. She is. These animated people don't play, okay? <laughs> they they really don't. She is quite the villain. <laughs> and so she kidnaps Rapunzel. And long story short, Gothel realizes that because her mom took, her birth mother took that flower, she now has that magic in her hair, which will, I, I think it, it's more like healing powers. And so Mother Gothel uses... Rapunzel in order to keep herself young and Rap- and she locks Rapunzel in a tower and basically you know she's kidnapped for like 18 years so again it's a Disney movie so the music is absolutely beautiful Mandy Moore plays Rapunzel I love Mandy Moore She's absolutely wonderful person. I love her and everything she's in. And her voice is gorgeous. And she's the voice of Rapunzel um, and the singing voice for Rapunzel as well. Um, Alan Menken did the soundtrack and it's perfection. So she's in her tower. She meets this scoundrel <laughs> named Flynn Rider, a.k.a. Eugene Fitzherbert. 
And he's one of those who's like, "Mm, not really sure if you like him at first, but then he really grows on you. At the very beginning from the movie, there are these lanterns that Rapunzel is like obsessed with. She paints them. She thinks about them all the time and she just has a connection to it. And it's one night a year. She sees these lanterns in the distance from the kingdom. Well, it's actually her parents who release these lanterns for Rapunzel's birthday every year and kind of like a a celebration, I guess, of her birth, but also kind of a mourning experience, I'm sure, for her parents um, who hope that she's still out there somewhere. So Rapunzel has always wanted to see the lanterns in person, like up close. And Flynn Rider, (laughs) they happen to meet and he uses her, to be honest, and she is wanting to go see the lanterns and she wants him to take her because she's never been out of this tower ever since she was a baby. So she doesn't really know what the outside world looks like. They go on all of these crazy adventures and have a lot of personal growth, which I love. They both do to where Rapunzel really learns who she is, learns maturity, and just kind of grows up a little bit, just seeing the outside world. And then Flynn learns that not everyone in the world is out to get him and that he is able to love someone. So they do fall in love. It is like, oh my gosh, the scene of Flynn and Rapunzel on the boat with the lanterns surrounding them. It just brings a tear to my eye. It's beautiful. I love that scene. The animation, yes, the animation is gorgeous. The music will give you chill bumps. It's so beautiful. Just a little side bit. When my husband and I got married, our first dance was to I See the Light, which is from that scene. We are super corny and I don't even care. No shame. It has basically everything you need. It has a love story, personal growth, self-sacrifice, sword fights, and animals, singing. I don't even know what else. Like, everything you've wanted is in this movie, and I just can't recommend it enough. Um, The only thing that would make it better is if Disney World would make an actual attraction and not just have bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Rapunzel deserves more than bathrooms, for sure. She really does. She really does. (laughs) Yeah, I love Tangled as well. It's one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. The music is incredible. Of course, I also love Manny Moore and Zachary Levi. Come on. He's great. Absolutely. Fantastic. And I would personally love to see, like, a lantern ride, like, at Epcot. I think it would be beautiful. I'd probably cry. Oh, man. It'd be gorgeous. Let's make it happen. Come on. Heck yes. I'm ready. We'll be there. I'm ready for we'll it. We'll be there opening day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I love it. And I also love how much you love it as well. I feel like you are Rapunzel. Oh. Thanks. What a compliment. <laughs> you basically are Hilary Duff. Wow. So with dark hair. <laughs> so you're Isabella. <laughs> yeah, I'm Isabella. You know what? Isabella is pretty cool too. So I'm here for it. And she's confident. She makes Lizzie what she is. So maybe that is me. <laughs> exactly. Isabella from the Lizzie McGuire movie in case you're not mm. 
not Lizzie McGuire fan. You're uncultured, yeah. <laughs> I just love every single one of these movies, and I think it's awesome that we have such similar tastes in some of our favorite movies, and like, even though the last yeah. two weren't the same, they're both on that Disney, like, fairy tale kind of vibe, so right. it's so good. If you can't tell, like I said earlier, love crossing genres, and feel free to recommend literally anything to us, because we will probably be interested definitely we are very open-minded with any genre just we're down yep just let us know well on that note i have finished my second margarita did you enjoy your beer (laughs) i did I thoroughly enjoy this walk down memory lane. I need to watch all of these movies immediately. Same here. So good. Oh, little plug that Pride and Prejudice is now on Netflix. That's a new development. So if you want to go watch it, you can do that there. The only requirement with that tip is that you tell us that you watched it and let us know what you thought about it. Yes, absolutely. And think about us when Elizabeth Bennett walks into Pemberley. Just think about us crying our eyes out (laughs) (laughs) thank you everyone for listening let us know on social media or by email or by leaving a review what you thought about this episode and if any of these just happen to be your favorite movie we would love to discuss them with you obviously we could talk about them all day long so (laughs) please connect with us and let us know. But that's the end of this episode. I had a very fun time chatting about some of our favorite movies of all time. I think it was just a joyous occasion, really. It really was a joyous occasion had by all, I think, or I hope. Yes, at least we had a good time. So (laughs) thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate all of your support. We'll talk to you all next week. Cheers. Thank you.